So Sting saves Darby Allen to retain the TNT Championship. MSK debuts on NXT, and we talk about it next. I we review both shows here on the Squared Circle Cycle Babble. My name is Michael Valenti. Joining me is Ralph Valenti. Ralph, let's start off with how AEW Dynamite finished last night. Sting finally does something other than just walking out, pointing his bat, and having Team Taz walk out. He actually gets physical, helps Darby Allen retain the TNT Championship. What are your thoughts on this main event match between Brian Cage and Darby Allen? Big fan of the match. I thought the match was very good. This is typically the type of match that I like where you have the big man, smaller guy dynamic. Darby, once again, took an absolute ass kicking. There were two Mm -hmm. crazy spots throughout the match. I think the part where Cage literally just heaved him from from the ring through the table. That was certainly a scary spot. Not something that I think a lot of people would not expect to see on uh, a television match and maybe even not even a pay-per-view, but you know, I think AEW certainly is trying to push the envelope a little bit. And then of course the power bomb spot onto the stage, two crazy spots. Mm -hmm. Um, Darby came out on top. I think a lot of people are talking about him being uh, him, meaning Brian cage being buried. I don't see it that way. I thought the match was fine. I thought the fluke finish was more than enough to protect him. So I didn't have an issue with it. No, I don't have an issue with it at all. I love the whole dynamic of this match, how it was the David versus Goliath storyline. You have uh, Darby Allen taking a brutal beating. You already brought up that table spot. Like if that was one inch further or one inch short, Darby Allen is dead. And he got cut up pretty bad to begin with. It just goes to show you. And then the, the involvement of Sting was just enough to say, all right, he's not just here to walk out and have snowfall and point his bat. He actually uses the bat on Ricky Starks. Just a great way to to use both of them and a great match. I really thought this was a great way to close out the show personally. So, I mean, you bring that and then you have on NXT, you have the debut of MSK. For those that don't know who MSK is, you might know them as the Rascals from Impact Wrestling. They are in the first round of the Dusty Rhodes Classic. They win in the first round against Isaiah Swerve, Scott, and Jake Atlas. What are your thoughts on the debut of MSK? I thought they looked good. I thought they looked really, really good. I thought they looked smooth. I thought that they they certainly were able to show off how good they can actually be in the ring. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, you are going to get people that are not going to be fans of them just because they do work a more you know aerial type of style not the more traditional style, more fast paced. They're not very big guys. So you are going to get people who just aren't going to be into them. You get the same thing with Darby Allen. Some people Mm -hmm. don't like Darby just because he's a smaller guy. The match itself, very good match. Um, No complaints from that. I think it was a good debut. I'm interested to see how far they go in this tournament. Um, But yeah, I, I think that it was a really good debut and they looked really good in it. They really did. The the one that I was really impressed with was Wesley. He was moving. He was selling. He was very athletic in the ring. Very impressive. Nash Carter was still good in his own right. I mean, I will say, though, when it comes to the size, I'll admit I never watched them in Impact Wrestling prior to this. I've heard of the name. I've heard of them. You know, a lot of people giving them praise, thinking they should have gone to AEW. They come to NXT. And, like, Jake Atlas and Isaiah Swerve Scott <laughs> nearly dwarfed them. Like, there was a definite yeah. size comparison. And those are two guys who are usually in the cruiserweight division. So I, I'd like for them to bulk up a little bit. Not so much that they hinder their movement in the ring, but they looked impressive. I'd like to get a little bit more meat on their bones, but 
obviously impressive opening for them. They'll get in NXT shape. Look at Pete Dunne. When he first debuted, I mean, he was a little doughy. He wasn't the most muscular guy. I mean, nothing like a pandemic to help you get into shape. That's he came true. back looking like an absolute monster. But, um, and, you know, he's still not the biggest guy in the world, but he looks he looks much better than he did when he first debuted. Uh, one thing I will point out here. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. Weren't Swerve Scott and Atlas, like, feuding last week or the week before? Well, that is part of why they were teamed together here. And obviously the loss kind of uh, furthered that feud as later on in the show, there was a little bit of a backstage thing where they were arguing. Yeah. So there's still continuation with that. So it's not like they're friends again, but they tried to get it together in the Dusty Rhodes Classic, obviously didn't pan out, and they will further their feud with Scott and Atlas. I am not a fan of Atlas. Really? He's vanilla. Nah, he's too vanilla, man. He looks like he he should be working at a, I don't know, like a a, a car salesman maybe, or or like behind a desk. <laughs> he doesn't he doesn't strike me as a wrestler. Like I, maybe if he if I needed somebody to represent me in a court of law or something, I would expect them to look like that. But maybe. And he also is notorious for screaming in the middle of matches, which I'm not necessarily a fan of either. Um, that stuff he could work out. I mean, he's in the developmental. He's in NXT for a reason. So hopefully he can work on those things. Maybe he's listening to this podcast and he can heed your advice. But you brought up Pete Dunn earlier, Ralph. And I want to bring this mm -hmm. up because he's involved in two big segments on NXT. Uh, obviously going after Finn Balor for the NXT championship. Also getting involved in the Undisputed Era's Dusty Road Classic matchup against Brizongo. Uh, attacking Kyle O'Reilly. At the end, after he and uh, Danny Burch and Only Lorcan attacked Kyle O'Reilly and the rest of Undisputed Era and Finn Balor, we have Balor with the Undisputed Era all together in a shot. And a couple of people are talking about it. Are they kind of hinting at Finn Balor either joining Undisputed Era or short-term joining forces? And these are two guys, Adam Cole and Finn Balor, who were one-time Bullet Club members. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because if if uh, if you didn't, I was certainly going to bring it up. So, yeah, I, I mean, I'm a little interested to see where this go goes. It also makes you think, are they going to bring Pat McAfee back for maybe a four-way tag match? Maybe. <sighs> I mean, to me, I thought the direction they were going to go with Finn Balor was was this. I, I thought for sure the the match between him and Karrion Cross was going to happen sooner rather than later. Finn Balor was going to go back up to the main roster because Karrion Cross was going to take the title off of him. If he's now getting mixed up with the Undisputed Era and this other group, I don't see that happening relatively soon. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't know. I mean, it's it's kind of hard to get excited about it only because for whatever reason, Finn Balor just kind of just seems like he's there. You know, he's the champion because he came right. down from from the main roster and he's very good. I'm not knocking him. He's very good in the ring. He does everything he's supposed to do on the mic. But I don't know. It just. It doesn't seem like there's anything special, not just for him, but overall. Maybe, maybe that that is true. I mean, he, I mean, he did break his jaw after his first title defense with Kyle O'Reilly. He has the other title defense against Kyle O'Reilly, which was still a good match, but I think the first match was better. And honestly, there really hasn't been anything monumental, like oh my god, Finn Balor's back. I mean, he's been right. great. But there hasn't been that like, oh, my God, this is the Finn Balor of old in NXT. So yep. I get where you're coming from with that. I don't know if he drops the title just to go back on the main roster because 
unless he was just doing this to rework a gimmick, now that he's got the gimmick ready, he could go to the main roster and they have something planned for him. I, I don't see that. I think he's he's going to stay in NXT, but who knows? Maybe I'm wrong. But So we have one Bullet Club reunion in the works. One that we kind of know already is definitely happening. And we saw it again last night at AEW Dynamite. Kenny Omega and the Elite were supposed to be part of a six-man tag. But Don Callis interjects and says, no, it's not the Young Bucks that will team with Kenny. It is the Good Brothers, Carl Anderson and Doc Gallows. Is it official mm. now that that Don Callis is the biggest dick in AEW? The biggest dick. Ooh. Um, I think And I mean can... that metaphorically, folks. Well, I'm sure we can confidently say that. I can't really think of anybody else off the top of my head. Um maybe it used to be all... MJF, but he's he's uh, toned down. He's gone PG, man. He he's go he's gone he's gone uh Jericho stuff. <laughs> more 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 of the uh the 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 good or bad comedy depending on how you view it but this is not the mjf that we've been accustomed to see in the past but you know depending on what happens with the inner circle i think we may get the old mjf rearing his ugly head at some point um don Callis, though uh th this just kind of furthers the storyline it kind of builds tension between the young bucks and kenny omega and whatever they choose to call this group if they try if they decide to call them i don't know the the elite I I really don't know what they're going to call them right um but I I like this I I like the fact that Gallows and Anderson are there um they're there unannounced which always adds a little bit of intrigue and gets the people talking Kenny yes. Omega it go, it shows that even though the Young Bucks and and Kenny Omega certainly have a history together Kenny doesn't care about that Kenny is selfish he is a heel mm -hmm. to the core at this point and he's going to do what's best for him and if he thinks siding with Gallows and Anderson is what's best for him because Don Callis has decided so, then that's what he's going to do. What do you think about afterwards? After their match with the Varsity Blondes and Danny Dimelight, there was the pull-apart brawl brought up by John Moxley. Uh, everybody's coming out from the back. As everyone's piled up, including the Young Bucks being part of this, Don Callis takes Kenny Omega out. Now, Omega's trying to get back in there, trying to be like, yo, my friends are out there. Callis is like, no. So, yeah. so do you think Callis in the end could stab his back, stab the back of Kenny Omega in all this? Uh, they could certainly try to incorporate it, that in the storyline, because even though Kenny is a certainly like an intricate part to the storyline as a champion, don't forget, Don Callis is the guy that's connecting the story, if, if that makes sense to you. So yes. he's the guy that's yep. pulling the string. He's mm -hmm. He is the invisible hand, as they like to say. So whether it's Impact, whether it's guys in New Japan Pro Wrestling who we have not seen yet, and maybe that will play a part in it. Um, he's gone on multiple podcasts saying this was years in the making. So mm -hmm. Don Callis right now is showing that he is the guy that's in charge. Yes, Kenny is essentially the Brock Lesnar to Paul Heyman in this situation, but Don Callis is the guy calling the shot. So can he turn on Kenny? Yeah, he certainly can, especially if there's somebody who's bigger and badder that can fill the role that Kenny's currently playing right now. Who that I, is, I don't know. But eventually down the road, could certainly happen. Could definitely happen. But I, I think a lot of NXT and a lot of AEW had some highlights on this show. So, Ralph, I'll yeah. ask you first. What was your highlight of the mat of AEW Dynamite or NXT from what we haven't talked about yet? From what we haven't talked about? Uh, man, you're putting me on the spot. I was going to say <laughs> the, the the main event match. I, I like the opening match from AEW. Yeah. I thought that I thought that match was was good. 
I don't know if I would have necessarily had it been the opening match. If it were up to me, I would have had Darby and um, and Brian Cage open the night up just because it was kind of a fluke finish. And when you think about it, that's like the lasting impression that people took away from Dynamite. And you did have a certain portion of the fan base saying, oh, Brian Cage is buried. I didn't see it that way, but... Um, you know, that, that would have been a good way to open the night, I think. And then enough, enough big things could have happened throughout the night to, to persuade the fans that this was a a good show, um, which it was overall. I thought it was, I thought it was a fine show, but I think the opening match on dynamite was very good. I would have liked to see maybe Eddie Kingston and Pac close the night in some type of pull apart brawl, that whole thing with Lance Archer. I thought that might've been a good way to highlight those two. See, I, I would disagree. I actually like the placement here. Uh, I, I think, if anything, to change the booking a little differently with that TNT Championship match, maybe go to a time limit draw so it doesn't necessarily bury Brian Cage too much losing mm-hmm. to Darby Allen. Uh, you could do the TV time remaining, say the time TV time ran out, then Sting comes out, gets a little physical, kind of gives that cliffhanger ending, whereas we already have a definitive finish. Not sure where this goes from well, here kind of thing. Uh, but I agree with you that Pac versus Eddie Kingston match was very, very good. And Pac's chest was so red from the chops he was getting yep. from Eddie Kingston. It was oof, tough. I mean, not as bad as Daniel Bryan in the greatest Royal Rumble, but pretty bad nonetheless. Uh, if I had to pick a highlight outside of what you mentioned and outside of what we already talked about, ah, oh, man, I, I'm going to put myself on the spot here, but I, I think, honestly, if I had to go somewhere with NXT, the 30 seconds that we got with Zia Lee might have been a highlight from the other stuff that we haven't talked about yet. Uh, there's not much that we got here, but she comes in, she kicks over whoever the heck it was. They didn't even give the person's name. Punch, kick, done. And that's how you do a squash match. It was simple, yet very effective, I think, in this rebuilding of Zia Lee. So I would say that with my highlight. Now, criticisms. I think there's mm. a few with both shows. Mm. You're, you're saying, hmm, you're making that noise. So I think you have something in mind here. So I'll let you go first. Well, I had a good dinner. I worked out. I went for a jog. I'm in a fairly good mood right now. So I've decided <laughs> I'm not going to pick on Marco Stunt tonight, even though I really, really could and maybe even should. But I'm I'm not going to do it. I thought he was fine last night. Like, oh, he didn't fuck. get. There we go. He... You're going to pull me into the conversation now. I don't think Marco was like, like, listen, I am one of those that believes that Marco should not be wrestling with his size. Like, I'm pretty sure I'm bigger than Marco Stunt and I'm never going to be in a ring. But. Tell you what, for some weird reason, he just finds a way to get heat for the bad guys because he's just so picked on all the time. Okay. Here's the problem I have with it. A guy of that size and stature. First of all, this match does nothing for FTR, who is supposedly the best tag team in the world. Now, I said I wasn't going to talk about okay. this, but here we are. Doesn't <laughs> Do we agree on that? Does this does nothing for FTR right now? No, other than the fact that they got a win over who were supposed to be the number two tag team in AEW. Okay, so doesn't do much for them. I don't have a problem. Look, look, I I, I applaud AEW for their approach. They want to be uh like all inclusive. They want everybody to have fun. They want everybody to have a place. I have no problem with that, but there should be boundaries to that. Starting last week when Marco Stunt got in FTR's face and was like, "I'll beat your ass. I'll beat your ass." It's like. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. You already have Brian Cage 
losing in your main event, whether it was a fluke win or fluke loss, what, however you want to look at it, you have your one of your bigger guys losing to the guy that is 170 pounds, which kind of makes it even worse because you even had the weigh-in to highlight the size difference there from last week. Now, I'm not picking on Marco Stunt because of his size or anything like that here, but it's very obvious when he's in the ring with you know, the true athletes, the true top guys in the world, FTR being the best tag team in the world or one of the best tag teams, that is just not believable. And if you're, I mean, if you're trying to get to that next level and if you're trying to get better every week and attract people, there's going to be people that are going to look at that and say, what the hell is this? I'm not going to watch this. This is not believable. And the knock on wrestling will always, always, always be, unless you are a professional wrestling fan, that it's fake. If you are somebody that does not watch professional wrestling on a weekly basis, mm -hmm. that's probably the number one comment you're going to get. When somebody who doesn't watch wrestling flips through the channel and sees that, they're not going to stay tuned because they're going to say, oh, it's just more of that fake stuff. That's, right. what, that's what wrestling has to overcome, unfortunately. Us mm -hmm. as fans, we put that to the side and we watch it. But, you know, I, I digress. Look, if people like Marco Stunt, whatever. It's not my thing. Um, but that's just my take on it. Now, the thing that I did not like was actually on NXT. I don't know what's going on with Tommaso Ciampa. I don't know what direction they're going on with in with him. I thought last night's segment with him and Thatcher was terrible. Hmm. Tommaso Ciampa used to be so confident in himself, both as a heel and as a face, and it just seemed like the lines seemed so scripted. Thatcher was was beyond bad. He was he was really bad. His he he, he came across so staged and so gimmicky like it, it i don't know what, what did you think of the segment i thought it, i thought it was terrible i thought everyone was it bad felt... i thought way barrett facilitated it poorly i thought tommaso champa felt uneasy and thatcher is just not meant to talk that's I, just what what i felt i felt like this was a buffer segment for a match that was already supposed to happen but they needed to prolong it an extra week or two so they needed a segment to build this match and they half-assed it that's what I felt like. Like they just got it in together. They didn't know what to do with it. And honestly, Champa could definitely cut a better promo than what we saw in that segment. Thatcher, he doesn't really talk too much. And when he does, it's those that says Thatch can wrestling segments. And those have not been that good personally uh, since they've done them in ring. So yeah. it was not a good segment. It's definitely like, Felt like they were trying to do what they did with O'Reilly and Balor, but Balor and O'Reilly did it so much better. That's what I yeah. felt like. Yeah. No, I, I agree 100%. I mean, even thinking back to certain segments like Lesnar and Roman Reigns had a segment set up just like this. Just it, it did nothing. It yeah. did nothing for me. It didn't didn't make me want to see the match even more. Kind of highlighted the the things that Thatcher is not good at and. I love Tommaso Ciampa. He's probably one of my favorite guys in wrestling and, and he's certainly in NXT, but I don't know what's going on with him. And if it's like, you know, I'd rather see him be highlighted in the main event level of NXT um, or go to the main roster or something, but he's just been kind of putzing along for so long now, it seems. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. I mean, outside of that, I, you talk about Tommaso Ciampa and the guy that usually goes hand in hand with Tommaso Ciampa is Johnny Gargano. Yeah. And I'll admit, I'm not a fan of the way. I don't like nope. Gargano as a heel. I don't like Candice LeRae. I think Austin Theory and Indy Hartwell look like sacrificial lamb morons with this mm -hmm. whole thing. I don't like that. So that's one of my critiques this week. But if I had to do a critique with AEW Dynamite, we had three segments 
in one hour that ended with a pull-apart brawl. Every week on <laughs> AEW. They have every week. Just let the match end. It's every week it's overbooked and, and convoluted. Just let things end. Yeah. Yeah. Like you have the Kingston Pack match. Uh, they have a pull-apart brawl with Lancer coming out. You have the uh waiting room thing which was pretty cringy as itself and then you have the pull apart brawl then you have thunder roses promo and then you have another pull apart brawl which i'm i'm drawing a blank on where the third one was but i definitely know there were three in the first hour i'm sure someone in the comment section can can tell me what it is to refresh my memory but so many pull apart brawls and we criticize WWE all the time for pull apart brawls. So this is not us nitpicking AEW. If we saw this on WWE, we criticize it too. This is just these pull apart brawl things are just so overdone now. They got to stop. Yeah, it's it's an easy way out. It's an easy way to kind of carry on with the storyline. But again, if anything done in moderation is fine. But every week on it on AEW, there's there's at least a couple of pull apart brawls, either in the mm-hmm. back or right after immediately following a match. Yeah, but nonetheless, you got bubbly. Are you celebrating already? What are we celebrating, Ralph? I don't know. This is uh, Prosecco. Well, it's kind of like bubbly from a different part of the world. But speaking of, you know, bubbly, Chris Jericho, he calls himself the demo god, and the ratings are out. We haven't talked about ratings in a while because of the holidays, what happened with, uh, unfortunately, Brody Lee. We didn't think it was appropriate to talk about ratings. And when we thought it was, they weren't out by the time we recorded. So the ratings are out. 0.30 for AEW Dynamite in the 18 to 49, getting dominated by news coverage of Donald Trump's impeachment. Also, the start of the NHL, the challenge from MTV, all beating AEW last night. 762,000 viewers, which is actually 100,000 more viewers from last week. NXT, definitely not better. They got a 0.14 in the 18 to 49 demographic and 551,000 total viewers. Not a great way to start off the Dusty Rhodes Classic. So, Ralph, it's all the ratings are there. We talked about our highlights, lowlights, some of the key points of the shows. What show did you think was better this week? AW was better. AW was better because they, as much times as they will do things wrong, and I don't know if wrong is necessarily the right word, but as as many times as they'll do things wrong to a certain subset of the fan base, they have the segments that leave people talking and wanting more. Mm-hmm. They understand that even though they want to be a professional wrestling company, there's a certain level of this that has to be entertainment and there has to be drama. Right. NXT is a really good professional wrestling show 99% of the time. Wrestling-wise, there was no issue with NXT last night. Most of the matches were good or very good. The problem is you're working with tag teams like Brizongo, Everrise, guys like that, guys that, you know, when you look at the old NXT, when it was Ricochet, Aleister Black, all of the top guys that NXT used to have at their disposal, they're not there anymore. And it's starting to show. And it's starting to show week by week by week. Now, granted, yes, you have your Finn Balors, you have your Adam Coles, But just going out there and having matches and doing the status quo, promo, promo, pull apart brawl, that's not interesting anymore. That is status quo pro wrestling, which is fine for those who love pro wrestling. Mm -hmm. 
but it just doesn't it's not that intriguing. Like you need you need to give us something to be invested in. Dusty Classic, okay, yeah, maybe people will get into that as we get towards the tail end of it. But honestly, last night was there really anything that made you really feel happy, sad, mad? Like, was there any emotion that was evoked by the fan? Not I know when I watched AEW, the the match with Darby, whether it was that, whether it was Sting, some of the segments that went on, at least they leave you wanting more because you're invested in the product and the drama and the story. Right. NXT, fine pro wrestling show, but it's safe in its status quo when it's starting to show every week. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with you. AEW Dynamite, they progressed a lot of storylines. I think there was a lot of things that in the past we have pointed out, like AEW needs to address this, and either Tony Khan listened to this podcast, I doubt it, but if he did, he finally listened to us. Uh, we finally got Santana and Ortiz bringing up the fact like, hey, yeah, Jericho, why are you having the tag teams matches? We're the tag team in the inner circle. Yeah, we didn't you- even talk about that. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, we talked about that. Finally, Santana and Ortiz bring it up. Uh, you have, you know, Sting finally attacking somebody instead of just standing around. You have Miro finally looking like a badass, although Chucky e. T got a little bit of offense in the beginning. But as soon as Roos, uh, excuse me, Miro kicked it on, he really showed, like, the, the Miro we want to see that people have been asking for in AEW. Uh, I, I think, you know, while it wasn't the best segment, we're at least getting some kind of showcase in the women's division with Jade Cargill and and Britt Baker in the waiting room, kind of, I guess, their version of Piper's Pit, stuff like that. And even the stuff with Dark Order and Hangman Page, I think, you know, there was a lot of stuff here that progressed storylines, and that's all you want. Like, you could give me match, 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 match for two hours, but if it doesn't progress anything, I don't care. I just don't. Mm-hmm. Like, we got to break away from this. A good show has to have all these damn matches. Like, I'd rather have, like, a five-minute, ten-minute match that fits into one television segment, go to a commercial break, then have a talking segment, then go to another small match. Like, it needs they need to break out of these, like, 20-minute match things. NXT definitely needs to break this out a lot more than what AEW does. Yeah. Yeah, it almost kind of seems like... They're not really competing because they, I mean, let's be realistic. I don't think they are. Star power wise, whether people want to admit it or not, I love Finn Balor. He's a great wrestler. Adam Cole is very good. But you're competing against guys that were established for a really long time. Even Mm -hmm. even if you look at somebody like Rusev from WWE and there he's Miro, people know who he is. Unless you have followed NXT, a lot of people still don't know who Adam Cole is. They don't know what the Undisputed Era is. Mm -hmm. You're competing with that against... You know, Chris Jericho, who's been there forever. Uh, Sting. Like, yep. And what, I, what I found funny, hard. what I found funny with all this is this was the first night where people were actually allowed to be on screen for the Capitol Wrestling Center. Usually they were doing, I guess, the stock of from the Thunderdome and just inputting it in for NXT. Now the first week that they do it for NXT Live, you could see their targeted demographic. Because, like, almost everybody on the screen was some guy, 18 to 49. Like, there were no there were no women. There were no kids. There were no older people. It was all, like, that diehard wrestling fan demographic. And if you yeah. watch the Thunderdome on SmackDown or Raw, it's such a diversified audience that it goes to show you how NXT does so bad in the ratings right there. Because they only target yep. one audience. AEW does too, but they're just better at it. 
So, yeah. it is what it is. But let us know what you guys think. Which show is better? What match was better? Let us know in the comments below. And don't forget to share us all over social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at SCPV Podcast. And for weekly reviews of AEW Dynamite and NXT, subscribe, hit that bell for notifications, and we'll talk to you on the next episode of the Squared Circle Cycle Battle.